We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, good morning, Crossroads. That was some good worship, y'all. That was some good worship this morning. Good. Hey, listen, my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor. Grateful that you're with us here today and uh, honored that you spend your Sunday with us. And uh, listen, if our mission here at Crossroads, if you're not familiar with it, is that we want to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. So any way that we can help you do that, uh, that's why we're here. Um, I can't help you with changing your clocks. You're on your own for that. But uh, the Jesus part, we definitely want to help you with that. Uh, But guys, you might not have kind of realized this, or maybe you have, but we are really at the one-year mark from when the whole world just kind of turned upside down. Uh, Literally, on Friday the 13th, I vividly remember, it was the decision of whether we continue to have service on Sunday or not, and from that point on, this past year has just been just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, just like nuts, and you didn't know what was going to happen each and every week, and and so I just, a couple of things. I think the number one is that we wanted to just to push pause for a moment and call it for what it is. That it was a hard year, it was really difficult, and, and uh, that there's a lot of really hard things that have happened and continue to still happen. But what I'm just so grateful for is how, how faithful God has been through that entire time. That he has never leaving, have never, have never left us, never forsaken us, he's always been there. We've, we've adjusted, we've pivoted both personally as a church and as, as you as individuals and your family. But at the same time, I think it's important to call it for what it is and it was it was hard and it still continues to be hard but but God is good and so I just wanted to really just kind of take a moment to to just to pray and and to honor the moment for what it is but then also to say man isn't it great that next week we'll be back up to full steam like we were before that we'll be able to reach more people for Jesus and that it's not going to stop us we're going to continue to push forward I mean that's just so important so so, and, and, and thank you, outside in the parking lot, those that you are inside, thank you for your, for your faithfulness to, uh, to our, us as leaders. Thankful, thank you for being faithful in giving. Thank you for all that you have done. And uh, we want to continue to do that as we move forward to whatever is next, knowing that God is there. So let's just put, push pause for a second. Let's pray, and then I'll dive right into where we're at. God, we, 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 we honor this moment for, for what it is. It's a pinpoint moment in time where we can look back 365 days and say, what in the world happened? That we never saw it coming. We never would have asked for it to come. But God, you knew that this was going to happen. You knew that this was going to to rock our worlds. But God, I, I think that you knew because it was a moment for us to cling to you and to trust you in ways that we never had before. And so, God, I just, I thank you that we have a God that never leaves us, never forsakes us, that, that has given us so much. And as we'll talk about today, God, your spirit is with us. God, I, I just thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. Thank you for Jesus, because this world needs him. And if nothing else, this, world, this year has taught us that, that we need Jesus, because this, this life is fragile and, and, and eternity is real, and, and we need more people to know about the gospel of Jesus. And so thank you for being faithful. We, we lift up those that have lost loved ones. We lift up the hardships that people have gone through, job loss and financial struggles. We, we pray that you would, you would soften all of those areas of our life and that you would give us grace in those areas. But we want to, more than anything, praise your name because you are good. And we thank you for this church that you've protected and led through it. And God, for the future, whatever it may look like, we know that you're there and we want to be where you're at. So we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, guys, uh, a year ago, we were getting ready for this little thing called Easter, and it was just kind of crazy. So what we've decided to do is to do Easter again. Is that okay? We're just going to do it again. And so Easter's going to be here. We're going to do it again because the tomb is still empty. Jesus is alive. And so we want you to know that we've got all kinds of services coming up we want you to be a part of. Good Thursday service. We don't do Good Friday because we have a Thursday service. Okay, so Good Thursday service. April 1st is when that's going to be, 7 p.m. You'll want to be a part of that. That's totally different than our Easter egg celebrations, which will be on Saturday, April 3rd, 3, 5, and 7, and then on Sunday, uh, April 4th, 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30. We didn't want to adjust those times because you guys are very fragile when it comes to learning new times, and next week we add a new service in, so we just wanted to keep it easy. So 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30 on Sundays, and uh, we got all kinds. That's going to be outside, inside, and online, and uh, if you are planning on joining us in service, you'll just need to know that you're going to need to register. Uh, we're going to have kids programming from kindergarten through fourth grade, and again, you'll need to register. Now, reservations can start on March 22nd. So mark your calendar. Be ready for you. March 22nd. You can either do that crossroadsgrace.org Easter, or there's a QR code right next to me that you could take a picture of right now to get ready for that. Uh, and, and you'll be able to, to be ready for Easter right there. Uh, and also, we have also created a way for you to invite people. So these cards that I just held up, as you leave today, we've got a bunch of those sitting out. What I want you to do is I want you to give those out to friends, family, uh, neighbors. If you have to vacuum seal it, cover it in hand sanitizer, I don't know what you need to do. But we want you to get these into people's hands and invite people to Easter this year. I think Easter is as important, if not more important, than Christmas was this last year. It's another mile marker for people to be able to say, yes, I, I, need, I need hope more than ever before. And at Easter, we hear about the, the hope of the world. So we want you to do that. Now, as you came in too, you probably noticed a piece of paper that was sitting near one of your seats. If you have taken those and piled those up next to you, this would be a good time to grab it and look at it. Because Easter is going to be excellent this year. Yeah, okay, right? So we want you to be a part of it. An excellent Easter, right? We want you to be a part of this. And so this flyer that is right next to you is a chance for you to join us to volunteer at Easter. And we're asking you to serve in our kids' team area in one of three ways. One is as a teacher helper. Not as a teacher, you could do that if you wanted to, but as a teacher helper is one area we need. Check in to get the kids checked in and then to help us clean up before and after. That's a great way for you to get involved. No experience necessary. We, it's a great opportunity for you and your family to serve together. So you can sign up uh, with, 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 uh, at the bottom of the sheet. You can sign up right there and you can be a part of helping us reach people to know more about Jesus. Fill out the flyer, tear it off, and then outside in the lobby, you could drop it into some, some uh, receptacles that we have out there and we want you to be a part of it. Our team will contact you to let you know about what you need to do and how we can help you do that. Um, but also, at the top, you'll notice that we're going to get about 5,000 Easter eggs together for the little ones out there. Yeah, I hear you for the Easter eggs. The serving part, but the Easter eggs, you're all over. I love it, right? So 5,000 Easter eggs, put those together, and then over the next few weeks, drop those off and let the kids have a good time, okay? Now, let's dive into the message today, and I begin by asking you a question. Does anyone remember your first words that you ever spoke? A anyone? Of course not, because you were 10 months old, and if you think you know, you're a liar, okay? You have no idea what it was, okay? My wife, she claims that she remembers things when she was two years old, but I've stopped trying to win that fight with her a decade ago, so I'm just going to leave it at that. No chance it is, but she believes it. That's okay. Now, none of, us, none of us know our first words personally, but we know what they are because our parents told you. So... Who remembers what their first word was that your parent told you? I can't hear you in the parking lot, but maybe here. Anybody first words? Anybody? 
Mama, mama's winning out. Mama, okay, any dadas in the room? Any? Papa, that counts. Okay, so we got one, okay. So, so usually mama, dada, papa, those are all kind of popular ones. I wanted more than anything. I swear to you, I thought my first word was ball. I just thought it made sense, you know, ball, baseball, everything ball. So I called Mama Hunt back in South Dakota, and I, just to confirm, I said, Mom, I, I know this is what it is. I just want to make sure. But my first word was ball. And she says, oh, sweetie, no, it wasn't. Your first word was cow. So, so, right, I guess growing up in South Dakota, I saw those things, thought they were family members. I don't know, like cow was my first word. But, but everyone in our family, Team Hunt family, we remember Easton's first word, my, my son, and my little buddy, I'll tell you what, he came, he was a busy dude the second he came out, just ready to roll. Always into something, usually something that he shouldn't have been into, but he is such an awesome little boy. I love him to death. God's going to do some amazing stuff through him. Uh, but when he was little, he was a handful, a handful, which is why when he was 10 months old, we were at our, friend, our amazing friend's house right outside of Chicago, and uh, Easton was going through their, their DVD collection under their TV. You remember DVDs, like before there was Netflix? You know, they were like the, anyway, right? So, so you, you go through it. And so as he was, got messing with them at 10 months old, somebody said, I don't remember who it was, like, Easton, you know, like, the, the, you just say it all the time, like, Easton, to which I kid you not, this is what he did, okay? So he's in front of the TV, he's taking a look at the DVDs, messing around, somebody says, Easton, he turns around, he says, no, right? <laughs> First word, right? Super cute. Really creepy, but it was like, you know, the first word. So apparently he had heard that one or 700,000 times in his first 10 months of life. So that was top of mind. It was no, okay? All right, crazy. So has anyone ever wondered what Jesus' first words were? Or do you know? Don't get excited. I have no idea either. Like, I'm not, it's like a trick question. I have no idea. We, we, we don't actually know what Jesus' first words were when he was a baby. I tend to think it would be something holy like propitiation. Or baseball, you know, like something godly, you know what I'm talking about? But, but we, just, we just don't know. And, and I think that's actually a good thing because that usually is not the most important remember, thing that we remember about someone, is it? Like I've never been to a funeral and they start the eulogy with their first word was and then go throughout the rest of their life. I mean, because it's cute. It's cute to remember the first word. But honestly, what we want to remember the most, the most important words are the last words. See, the last words, those are the culminations of the entirety of our life. They are the words that we want to leave behind as our kind of our legacy after we've lived a full life of all the things that we've gone through, our experiences, the times that we've had. And, and I know that not everyone is able to, or has the luxury of knowing what their last words are going to be because death comes on suddenly and without warning. But, but those last words... Those, those are the lasting things that we remember from, from all the time, right? Of all the time that we've had. And until our time is up, that's our, that's, it kind of brings us all together. And, and although we don't know Jesus' first words, we do know some of his last words, which is exactly what we're going to be looking at in this series. We want to look at the famous last words of Jesus, the, the famous last words of Jesus. So again, in this series, we're going to actually do this. We're going to fast forward through a, a bunch of Jesus's life, okay? We're going to move right on past his birth, right through his childhood, move past the baptism. Um, we're, going to, we're going to get through all of the miracles and the healings. We're going to brush past his interaction with all the religious leaders. And we're going to get right down to the last days, weeks, and moments before of his life. That's what we're going to look at. The moments leading up to his crucifixion and to his resurrection. 
And I know it's kind of hard like to jump past all of that stuff because there's so much good that's there to look at. John actually says something at the end of his Gospel of John that just blows my mind. John chapter 21, verse 25 says, John says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That should blow your mind. That there's so many amazing things about Jesus that we can't even contain it all. But what we do know is powerful, especially as we focus on his very last words that he spoke. And so in the famous last word series, we're going to go through all the way through Jesus's life, death, burial, resurrection and ascension. And we're going to hang on every single one of those words. But these words, as you'll find out, these aren't filled with anger or fear or regret or anything like that after he's gone. Far from it. Jesus' words are going to be filled with hope and instruction and encouragement, a little conviction. Words that say, though, even that I'm not physically with you anymore, I'm still going to be with you. Again, the writer of Hebrews would tell us that, that never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, God says. Jesus himself would say in John 14, he would say that I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. But there is a question we'll need to wrestle with as we look at these famous last words. Because looking at the famous last words of Jesus is one thing, but then understanding what it's saying is is even more important. And, And after we see all that Jesus had said and all that he did and all that he commanded, ultimately we are left with this question to answer. What will we do with what he told us to do? What, what, what will we do? Right, that's, that's the point. What are we going to do with what he told us to do? So we're going to start off by answering the question, and we're going to dive into the first set of Jesus' famous last words, which are found in John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles with you, John chapter 15 is where we're going to start off with. We'll get into John 16 too, but uh, get your Bibles out or your Crossroads Grace apps out in the, in the parking lot. Man, we're so glad that you're with us here today, and make sure you're diving in with us too. And, and as you're looking for that, let me kind of pull us up to speed on where we're at in the scripture so far and let you know kind of what's happening. At this part in John chapter 15, what you'll notice is that it's during a dinner that Jesus is having with all of his disciples. His disciples are the ones that are closest to him in this world. And a lot has already taken place over this dinner. Jesus has washed all the disciples' feet. He predicts that Judas is going to betray him. Judas then gets up at the table. He leaves and goes to tell the religious leaders how he's going to rat Jesus out. Uh, Peter claims he'll never deny Jesus. Jesus says, yes, you are. He says, no, I won't. Yes, you are. Yes, I won't. Yeah, whatever, right? And back and forth, that's happening. And all the while, the rest of the disciples are kind of looking around thinking, whoa, the wheels are falling off here, okay? Like, we were doing good. We were having some dinner. And then Peter's going crazy. And Judas leaves. Like, what's going on? So it's no surprise that with all this happening around them, the dinner table was a little, a little tense, you know? It might have been maybe even just a little bit more tense than when the English teacher, this English teacher was talking to her young students one day, uh, and she looks at one of the young little boys and she asks him, she says, now, if I say I am beautiful, which tense is that? And the student replied, oh, that's easy. That's obviously past tense. Right? English teachers, you'll get that. That's all right, okay? It'll take a little bit to get in, right? Past, okay. Well, well, listen, knowing that this was taking place, like Jesus knows this, this moment, the disciples are getting a little unnerved, a little riled up. Jesus takes this moment to calm them down and to give them some of his final words. And he starts off by saying this in John 16, verse 7. Jump over there. In John 16, verse 7, he says, But very truly I tell you, Jesus says, it is for your good that I'm going away, Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
Now, now let me explain a, a bit of what Jesus just said here by giving you an illustration. Uh, and, and so my wife, Cherie, and I, we just finished doing our financial planning for our kids in the event that we died. I know, it's a really hot date, you know, just awesome, you know, let's talk about that. But, but it was an interesting process to go through. I mean, to stop and to think about what we would do in the event that we suddenly were no longer here. So we had to consider a few things. Like we had to consider who's going to be in charge of the trust until the kids are old enough in order to get the money. How much money do we give them once they do become a certain age? Uh, who's in charge of medical decisions if we become incapacitated? And so many other things that you really never want to think about. But if you want to care for your family later, you must actually face these things now. So let me just give you a little side note, and this isn't like an advertisement for Crossroads or anything like that, because we, we have people we talk with, but if you do not have this, a will or a trust done, I would highly recommend that you would do that. Um, there, is, there is some big differences between a will and a trust, especially in California, you might need to be aware of, but it's just peace of mind for you to know that your family is taken care of in the event that you're gone. So on our giving page, crossroadsgrace.org slash giving, there's a little button that says contact us. You can click on there and we'll help you get connected with some people to walk through that. It's just that important that I would take just that moment to let you know about it. But Back to the story, okay? One of the things, one of the most important decisions that Shri and I had to make would be who we would leave our kids with if we needed them, if they were underaged or they needed guardianship. Who would we want? Who are the ones that we would want to give and to raise the most precious gift that God has ever given us? Because when you leave, who you leave your children to is a really, really big deal, right? It's a really important decision. You want to make sure that, they, that you could trust them that they might be financially secure. You don't want them to have a raging addiction. You certainly don't want them to be a Raider fan. I mean, you want to make sure that you have all these things taken, taken care of, right? You know? But one of the most important things is you want to give them to people that love Jesus. And so often we use that last part as like a throwaway, you know? Oh, yeah, they, they got to love Jesus. But actually, that's the most important one. As Christians, the spiritual care of our kids, of our kids, is, is of paramount of importance. It matters more than anything else. Because as Christians, we know at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. And so I give this lengthy illustration to kind of set up the first, these last words of Jesus that we're going to look at today. And the importance to, um, uh, to, to them uh, for us as Christians. You see, as Jesus is slowly kind of ramping down his ministry on this earth and he's getting ready to go to the cross of Calvary, he wanted to make sure that his kids, his disciples, you and me, had not, weren't not necessarily financially secure, but he wanted to make sure they were spiritually secure. Because Jesus knows that the life that they're about to lead, the life that you and I are about to lead, is going to be difficult. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be lucrative, which is why the spiritual care was so important to him. So Jesus makes sure that he would provide them the best possible spiritual direction they will ever need, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity of God, the one that freaks people out all the time. Because as Christians, we believe in one God that is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's that last part of the Godhead that kind of wigs people out a lot of times. Because when we start thinking of the Holy Spirit, we start to lump them in with like scary movie exorcism stuff or those health and wealth pastors that take their jacket off and beat people over the head to cure them of gout and conjunctivitis and stuff like that. Like we get all freaked out, you know. And, and so we often resist the Holy Spirit because we have no idea what he really does. And, and isn't this true? This happens in other things in life too. Because we will reject other people, other cultures, other views, because we've never actually taken time to understand them. 
But when you actually take time to do, to take the time to understand them, it's unbelievable how eye-opening it is. And so as we think about the Holy Spirit, the same is true. So when Jesus says in John 16, 7 again, he says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. If Jesus says that, it should be a neon light that says, this is a really big deal if Jesus says it. And what Jesus says is that he is sending the Spirit of God to guide and direct and to empower his disciples. But why is that so important? Why would he take all this time, right? Why is it important for his disciples to know about the Holy Spirit? What is the reason that Jesus made sure that some of his last words on earth would be about the Holy Spirit? Well, the great part about Jesus is that he he explains it to us. And and he does so not just for his disciples at the time, but for you and for me. And, and, And today I want us to look at a few of the implications of what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit and why it should be important for us today. So let's first unpack verse 15 of uh, uh, chapter 15, verse 26. So move back just a couple of verses, and there it says this. Jesus says, When the Advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been, you have been with me from the very beginning. So here we actually get to see the first thing that we understand. The first thing is that the Holy Spirit attests to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is not only a powerful moving force in our lives, but he's also there to guide us back to Jesus. And that's really critical for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Because, it, listen, it's not the Holy Spirit who saves you. It, Jesus isn't saying that when he leaves, I'm going to send plan B for salvation. The Holy Spirit is not another door for salvation. Because what Jesus says is still true in John 14, where he says... I am, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's Jesus. So Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will point people to the mission of Jesus. His death, his burial, his resurrection, all of that for the forgiveness of our sins. That's what saves us, not, and that's what the Spirit attests to. But he also doesn't stop there. He also says that the Holy Spirit will not just remind us of Jesus, but he also would do this, that the Holy Spirit encourages us to tell others about Jesus. The Holy Spirit isn't some alarm on your phone that says, remember Jesus, remember Jesus. No, what the Holy Spirit is, is there to, to be a gospel, an evangelist catalyzer. He's there to prompt us to look at our neighbors and our family and our friends and, and our coworkers and share the love of Jesus with them. Guys, I know for me, this is a huge place that I feel God's Spirit in my life. Because there are just times that I feel God prompting me to call somebody or text somebody or go to somebody's house. And, and, and the next thing you know, it never fails after I do that. Because usually I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do that right now. It never fails after I do it. They'll, they'll text me back and say, how did you know something was up? How could you possibly have known? Or, or when you talk to somebody and you're in that conversation with them and you just sense, like, this might be a really good time to talk to them about how, how Jesus affected my life. Guys, that's the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit prompting you to tell them about Jesus. And I know that it can be hard. I know it can be awkward. But as believers in Jesus Christ, he's told us that we're there to share the love of Christ with people, to pray for people, to invite them to church, to care for them. And we do that one person at a time and one relationship at a time. So can I ask you something today? Who is your one? Right? Who, who is the one that you're praying for? Who is the one that you need to invest in their life with them? Who is the one that God is prompting you right now to invite to Easter? 
Who is he prompting you to invite to church to have a conversation about God? We all have those people in our life that we feel like we need to be a bigger part of this, a bigger way to bring them towards Jesus. And I just want you to know something. When you feel that kind of tug at your heart, that's the Holy Spirit kind of working. And we should answer that call when he does that. And and here is why the Holy Spirit's important. And why it's so important for Jesus to make sure the disciples uh, heard this as some of his famous last words. And it's what he says in verse 8. Jump over to chapter 16, verse 8. It says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So one of the main reasons that we see the Holy Spirit is this, is that the Holy Spirit points out sin like Jesus. Now, I'm not sure if anyone gets excited about being called out on their junk or not, you know. Like, I don't know if anybody that says, you know, you know what would be good right about now? I would love somebody to just come in here and tell me how much I screwed up and how terrible I am. That's what hit the spot for me. Right? Nobody says that unless you fell from a ladder and you're concussed. You have no idea. You would never say that. But yet, aren't those times in our life where we need people in our life to call us out on our stuff? Especially as Christians. Because if we don't have those people, guys, we're going to run the risk of doing something that's really scary. And that is, we run the risk of being normal. Normal. Guys, we will start to act like all the normal people in the world and do what normal people do. We'll spend, people, we'll spend money we don't have and we'll go into debt up to our eyeballs. We will ruin relationships with other people because it's all about our happiness. We'll skip from job to job to job to job because we aren't being treated properly, we think, right? We blame our kids for why we're bad parents. We, be, we make excuses for why our life is the way that it is. Just normal. Like we hear that all the time, don't we? And without the Holy Spirit in our life, continue to challenge us and point out areas that we're, we're messing up. We can slowly slip into a warm bath of mediocrity just like everybody else. But when the Holy Spirit is in your life, you all of a sudden become attentive to what he's saying, what he's prompting of you, what he's convicting of you, saying, hey, listen, I think I see some, some sin in your life. And all of a sudden you start to diverge from the normal. And, and that's what Paul would talk about in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this. He says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him according with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So when we follow Jesus, we all of a sudden have a new set of lenses that we see life through. All the old stuff goes out of focus and all of a sudden we come laser locked on the new stuff that's found in Jesus. But can I, just, can I just be honest with you as your pastor here today? Like, sometimes I don't always like the new stuff. I, I kind of like the old stuff sometimes. And the reason is, is that sometimes the old stuff is pretty fun. I mean, I mean, the old stuff can be really fun. Let's just be honest in the room. If you aren't having fun sinning, you're probably not doing it right, okay? Like, I'm just, let's just be honest. But, but listen, just because it's fun doesn't mean it's bringing you life. And just because it might seem like it's, it's happy in the moment, it doesn't mean that it's not slowly killing you in the long run. I'm here today to tell you that golden Oreos are God's gift to the cookie world. They are, they are the best, okay? And, and, and I haven't had a dessert in over a year and a half, but um, they are the best cookie on the world. You have the right to be wrong. That's fine, but they are the best. 
So I would eat those things if I could every single day of my life. Now, I might enjoy that in the moment, but the obesity and the diabetes as a result of it are just not worth it, okay? So the same is true of my sin. Sin might look kind of like tasty and feel good and it might be good in the moment, but guys, when Jesus becomes the greater desire of my heart, I start to have different tastes. I start to want different things. And that only happens when the Holy Spirit starts poking around in our life and saying, hey, what about that? What about this? That's not really from God. And he calls us out on the sin in our life. But, but here's how we know that he can do all of that and will do all of that. Look at verses 12 through 15. He says, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will be, make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now, I just love what Jesus said there in verse 12. I just love the fact that he said this. He says, I have much more to say to you more than you can bear. Now, I love that. It's as if he knows that we'll only be able to handle so much and at some point, man, we're going to need some help. I love that. And the help that he gives us in order to bear what he's about to tell us isn't some cosmic cheerleader that's like, you can do it, go for it. No, no, it's the very spirit of God that shows us how we need to give our life fully over to him in order to live fully for Jesus. And that's what we're saying. He's saying that the Holy Spirit shows us the truth and the truth is Jesus. So when we come face to face with deciding between our old life and our new life that's found in Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives us the truth. And as we said, Jesus doesn't just offer us the truth. He is the truth. Again, look back at John 14. Jesus says, I am the way and the, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I'm the truth. It's only through me. Which means that when you see the real truth in your life, and you choose to follow that as opposed to all the garbage that the world is saying, guess what? You're starting to be on the side of Jesus. As you give your life over to him, he doesn't just leave you to like, hey, figure this whole thing out yourself. No, no. In, in, in his most famous, in, in some of his famous last words, Jesus says, I will send him to you. The same power that created the world, that parted the Red Seas, that did miracles through Jesus' words and through his touch, that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus said that spirit is going to come in his place. That's amazing. That's exactly why Jesus says Jesus left so the spirit could rest. This is the idea that Jesus left so the spirit could rest. That's amazing. But in order for the spirit to come, Jesus had to leave. And it's not like a WWE wrestling match, though, where Jesus tags the Holy Spirit and then Jesus, like, hangs out on the belt for a while. You do it for a while, right, you know? Not like that. No, no, no. Jesus had a very specific mission. And he fulfilled that mission. And once that mission was over, the Spirit then could come. His mission, Jesus' mission, was to defeat death and sin for all mankind to make a way to be made right with God through the grace that Jesus offers. And, that was, and, once the, and only when that was complete, then could the Spirit come. Because now the Spirit is there to guide those who are followers of Jesus. But that's very important. You need to know this. That you can't receive the Spirit of God without receiving the Son of God. You first receive the Son, then you get the Spirit. That, that's so important. We have to get the order 
Right, but just think about that. Jesus cared for us so much, loved us so much, wanted us to grow so much that in some of his final words, he made sure that we got the very best spiritual direction ever. He gave us the Holy Spirit. But you have to have the Son before you can get the Spirit. So, so guys, the question we really have to ask ourselves based off that is, what are we doing with the Spirit in our life? And if you don't know who Jesus is here today, I would say start with the Son and then allow the Spirit to come through you because of your acceptance of the Son. But if you do know Jesus, what are you, what are you doing with the Spirit in your life? Well, here's what I know. I know that at some point, Sheree and I are going to pass away. We're feeling fine right now. I'm not here to tell you anything you don't know, right? But 100% chance at some point we're going to pass away. And when that happens, we, there will be a moment with our kids that they will have a full access to the Hunt Family Trust. Which means that regardless of how old we are, when it happens, all of the planning, all the preparation, all that we had done during this time while we are alive, it will move from plan phase to action phase. And when Aniston and Easton open up the documents that we have prepared for them that spell out exactly what we want done after we're gone, I know that they'll do it. And they will follow our wishes because of one thing. Not because of guilt. Not because we were angry with them. Not because they feel like they have to. No, because of love. They will know how much we love them while we were with them. And they will love us enough to honor our wishes. It's, it's all done out of love. Our plan for them was done out of love. And them following through with those plans will be done out of love. So, I mean, if Jesus' final wishes were for the Spirit of God to come and to fill our lives and to, and to follow his guidance and tell the world and, uh, about, about Jesus, if Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send the Spirit to you, he's going to keep you from sin and, and have you fall in line more with Jesus, if Jesus says that, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to be there to guide you and, and to fill your life with truth and with grace, then how are we doing with following what he told us to do? I just wonder if we carry out the wishes of our dead grandmother more than we do Jesus. But what if we actually let God's spirit work in our life? You see, Jesus loved us so much that he poured out his life on this earth during his time on this earth for you and for me. He gave so we could have. He gave up his life so we could have life. But he also loved us so much that he gave us the Holy Spirit to guide and to direct our lives after he left. And he asks us to follow him, not out of guilt, not out of, out of shame, but out of a love for him. Just like I know Aniston and Easton, they will know how much we love them and they, that we wanted good for them. I believe that we also need to know how much Jesus loves us and how much good he wants for us too. And he gave us the Spirit as proof of that. And, and here's what I know. Some of you have recently got a really bad health diagnosis. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. Some people have, have lost a husband or a wife or a family member this past year, and the Holy Spirit will be there to heal your heart. Some are in the middle of a really hard marriage season, and you're not even sure if you're going to make it. The Holy Spirit will be there to give you the fight to keep going. And some of you just feel really distant from God. You're not sure about this whole thing. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit would love to guide you back to him right now. See, the reason Jesus sent the Spirit is because he knew all of that was going to happen and all the stuff that you don't know is going to happen. All that's going to come 
that we would need him in order to get through that. That's why the Spirit's there. But where Jesus could only be in one place at one time while he was on this earth, the Spirit now can be in all places at all times with believers all around the world. Guys, that is why Jesus left so the Spirit could rest on all of us. So where do we need the Spirit to rest? Where do you need him to rest on you today? Is it in some fear, some insecurity? Are you living a life that's farther from God each and every day, but you know Jesus and you know what direction you need to go? Do you not know Jesus yet? And if you don't, this would be a great day to accept him as your savior, to let the spirit then rest on your life and guide you. I would just tell you that wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, the spirit is there to help you connect on a deeper level with Jesus. That he can rest on your life and to guide your life. And at communion, we get to remember that, to recenter ourselves back to him and to remember how much he loves us. So in a second, as we pray, I might encourage you to pray for yourself. Maybe you need to pray for your one as you think about who you need to invest more in their life. But maybe you need to take this time to accept Christ as your savior, to let him come in your life so that the spirit can rest on your life too. And you can start to follow him fully. Not out of guilt, not out of shame but out of love. Let's pray. God, we love you so much and we thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins in our place, who ascended to heaven to be able to give us a place, to, to give us a promise to, of an eternity we don't deserve but that you give us freely. Spirit, we are so overwhelmed that you are the gift in our life, that you are everywhere and that you, can, you are able to guide and direct us in how we are to live, that you are to give us hope and that you give us counsel and that you give us an advocate we are just so grateful for that but we need Jesus in our life in order for that spirit to truly take root so Father I pray if anyone here doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior that they would cry out to Jesus and say Jesus I'm a sinner and I'm apart from God because of it I'm apart from you come in my life Jesus I realize you've died for my sins in my place please come in my life make me new you tell us that if we receive Jesus as Savior, we've also received the gift of the Spirit in our life, and now we are guided by Him. I pray many would do that today, that it wouldn't stop being their own guide, and that they would cling to the Spirit as their guide. So God, please help us now. And those of us that do know you, may we let the Spirit rest on our lives to, to, to help us, to convict us, to challenge us, encourage us, wherever we might be, as we remember Jesus, as we remember His love for us. Spirit, fall in this place. We love you and thank you. It's in your name we pray. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.